Welcome into the Locked On Knicks podcast. I'm Gavin Schell. Today, we are going live to discuss Mitchell Robinson's injury. He's out eight to 10 weeks, how the Knicks can handle it, uh, how their backup centers can actually provide some things that Mitch doesn't, how many games will they ultimately win, and will there be a trade? All that and more right now on Locked On Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are locked on Knicks, and today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com, test locked on NBA, and use code all lowercase locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. I want to thank you for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day, though this is technically our second episode, so I'll call it our second listen today only. Um, If you want to uh, be on that first listen train, though, be sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite audio podcast platform of choice, and then uh, be sure to subscribe to our subtext. The link is in the episode description if you want text about the New York Knicks before and after every single game. I'm Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster's favorite play-by-play broadcaster coming to you live actually from not from uh new york as usual from phoenix arizona where i'm going to watch the knicks play the suns this friday and i will be doing so unfortunately with mitchell robinson out on out on the floor out off the floor back in new york back in new york um after he had left ankle surgery um he's going to miss the next eight to ten weeks or at a minimum because he'll be reevaluated in the next eight to ten weeks And that is big news because this is a guy that we have frequently discussed as perhaps the most important Nick, at least through the first seven, eight games of the season. He, I would say, defines the style of their team about as much as any quote unquote non-star does for any team in the NBA. Defensively, their entire system is based around funneling drivers um, middle to him and and letting him um, either eat shots up at the block or deter shots. And I think it's hard to fully account for the number of shots that simply never get taken because he's on the floor. He is a special offensive rebounder. That's probably an understatement. He's currently putting together one of the 10 best offensive rebounding seasons in the history of the modern NBA. He leads the NBA this year with five offensive rebounds per game. Um, And their whole offensive system kind of thrives on the fact that despite the fact they're not a very good shooting team, they're still excellent because he generates so many second chances for them. And they don't commit a lot of turnovers. And part of that is predicated on an isolation style, which again is is only plausible because of his ability to generate so many second chance opportunities for them. So on a surface level, because of all those facts, this is devastating for the New York Knicks. I, I think Mitch the way I would frame it is, is he he's the guy who holds their floor together and, and in fact elevates it substantially. The reason they've been um, almost perfect this year playing against teams that they should by any reasonable metric beat is because of Mitchell Robinson. The fact that when, when you when you play a Charlotte, um, when you play um, a Washington, e- even even against a team like Atlanta with Clint Capella, you go in on those nights with such a solid advantage at the center position. And knowing that you're going to own the most important real estate in the NBA, which I would still argue, um, despite the three-point shooting revolution, is around the basket on both ends of the floor. 
and and Mitch giving you that every single night just because his defense is such a consistent presence and his rebounding is such a consistent presence is what allows you to consistently beat the bottom dwellers in the NBA. And as we know with the Knicks, that was something that was, even when they've been pretty good over the last three years in the past, something that was far from a guarantee. But I, I think the consistency that Mitch has found has has allowed the team to have a consistency in those types of games, in those types of matchups, which has been game-changing for them. The issue with Mitchell Robinson is that I think against the better teams in the NBA, he, for the entirety of his career, has been a bit less impactful. And, and this year he's had, he certainly had moments where he's been better. And obviously last year's series against the Cavs um, cannot be ignored, where, where he was a singular force in that series and, and arguably their most important player, probably their second most important player behind only Jalen Brunson in, in terms of how he controlled and, and contributed to that five-game series win. So I, I want to give Mitch's flowers, but I think we also have to note how things looked against the Boston Celtics and how they continue to look against the Boston Celtics, where you have someone like Chris Stapps Porzingis, who, who just absolutely tortures Mitchell Robinson. Now, do the Knicks have great solutions to the Boston Celtics without Mitchell Robinson? Not really. Would they beat the Boston Celtics without Mitch starting? No. But you can see in those types of games how against the best teams in the league, his impact is at the very least a little bit muted. And I would say that's the same against the Bucs. That's the same when they play the Timberwolves, which is either a stretch five or a center that is physically capable of holding up against him. And, and this is where the Knicks could continue to tread water, despite, again, what's on the surface, an absolutely devastating loss. Um, Isaiah Hartenstein and Jericho Sims both bring different things to the table. With Sims, you get to play um, a more versatile defense, right? Tom Thibodeau, give him credit, a guy who's, who's considered to be very set in his ways. Um, the last few years when Jericho Sims is on the floor, he, he lets Sims guard on the perimeter. He lets Sims switch onto a guard because Sims is very, very good at that. Now, if, if, if you're doing that consistently, of course, you're going to have mismatches elsewhere and you're going to have a situation where Jalen Brunson could get pinned on a center. And, and that is trouble because you're going to have to send an extra body, rotation, rotation, rotation. Um, another team will be shooting a wide open three-pointer. Um, so there's risks to that kind of style. It's high risk, high reward. We saw Minnesota um, gamble with that type of defense in the past, and it worked really well only up until other teams figured it out. We saw Milwaukee try to play that type of defense this year with Damian Lillard, and it was a complete disaster before they went back to their more conservative scheme, which is, is much more similar to the Knicks with Brooke Lopez dropping towards the paint. Again, with Jericho Sims out there, it'll be, I, I think, more of a curveball than a consistent feature, but it gives them some flexibility when they're playing a team like the Celtics and, and just getting torched if they decide to play drop defense. And, and it might not work perfectly, but it is something that you can't totally do with Mitchell Robinson out there, at least you're not willing to do because he is so good at the rim that Jericho Sims opens up an option for. Isaiah Hartenstein, um, whether he's ultimately the starter or not, and we'll get into that, um, he also gives you another set of options um, in the sense that he is a much better passer than Mitchell Robinson. And he can actually provide a modicum of floor spacing. And, and I emphasize a modicum because he's, he's not someone who's going to be guarded if he sits out on the perimeter. He's not someone who's going to be guarded from true mid-range. But five to seven feet from the basket, he has to be guarded because he has a little bit of a flip shot and he can pass the basketball. So when he when he gets it off at a handoff at the top of the key, you're going to want to apply at least token pressure to him. And, and also there's a reason to put him there that's advantageous where with Mitch, your whole offense again is predicated on him being right at the rim. What does that do for the rest of the team? It opens up the floor, bigger driving lanes for Jalen Brunson, for Julius Randle, for RJ Baird, who had complaints about that specific thing while playing on Team Canada over the summer, the fact that the lane was never, ever open for the Knicks. So I, I think this is a window for the Knicks to increase their efficiency offensively. The fear there is that they've struggled defensively mightily the last two games. And after starting the season, um, the first 10 or so games as 
the uh, third ranked defense in, in terms of defensive efficiency points allowed per hundred possessions. They are now all the way down to ninth. And even with Mitch out there, even with Mitch playing at an all defensive level, and I, I don't know how you can argue that he wasn't an all defensive candidate, um, holding the Knicks in the top 10, despite the fact that they start three guys in Jalen Brunson, Julius Randle and RJ Barrett, um, that on any given night could be considered anywhere from disastrous to below average um, defensively, RJ and Julius, and, and occasionally Brunson, of course, sometimes have a higher ceiling than that. Um, that tangent aside, um, despite losing an all-defensive player in Mitchell Robinson, or even with an all-defensive player in Mitchell Robinson, this was a defense that was starting to falter. So I wonder if there could be even more significant cracks um, with this injury to Mitch. That is something to watch out for. That is something we're going to continue to talk about. Um, but before we do that, on Locked On Knicks, I wanted to tell you about our buddies over at Prize Picks. Uh, Prize Picks is just fantastic. They are the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. They're the easiest and most exciting way to play DFS, just you against the numbers. So instead of battling thousands of other players, many of whom um, have a statistics degree from an MIT, a U Chicago, a Harvard, um, and maybe live in their mom's basement and maybe spend a disproportionate amount of time on doing exactly this and can afford thousands of entries guys that to put it simply you're never going to beat um on prize picks all you have to do is pick more or less than on two to six player stat projection and watch the winnings roll and so you're not competing against anyone you're just competing against those projections want to play along some of prize picks favorite players you can do so um in their community plays you get the chance to go against rapper Meek Mill, comedian Andrew Schultz. And again, that's in the community plays under the promo tab of the app to view entries from some of the biggest names in the prize picks community each week. Prize picks even offers a reboot policy so that your entries stay in play, even if one of your players gets injured. So that means football and basketball games, if you have a player who exits in the first half and does not return in the second, that player is rebooted. Prize picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy. So go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use code locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Once again, go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use code locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Okay. We are back on locked on Knicks. Thank you so much for those of you tuning in. Um, we are talking Mitchell Robinson's injury. He is officially out eight to 10 weeks. And, and again, that is, is probably the conservative number here, right? Because the, the phrasing was he was going to be reevaluated in eight to 10 weeks. Um, so when does that ultimately mean he'll return? Generally, when you, when you hear reevaluation, you expect a guy to come back two to three weeks after that reevaluation time. So I, I would kind of conservatively pin the earliest time he's going to be back as right after the all-star break because eight weeks is February 5th, 10 weeks is February 18th. So barring like a really, really clean recovery form, the safest bet is probably that we're going to see him return around February 22nd versus the 76ers. The, the more distant, um, more conservative bet, I don't know, it could be something like March 5th against the Hawks or March 8th against the Magic. Um, and, and that'll be with only a month left in the season. So this is this is a very, very big deal for New York um, in terms of how they're going to handle it. Um, we saw last year two different stretches where Mitchell Robinson missed a decent amount of time. The first one we don't have to focus on because it was disastrous and it featured a whole lot of guys who are no longer uh, playing um, for the Knicks or, or in the rotation for the Knicks. Um, the second stretch um, was defined by Jericho Sims starting. He started 14 of those games. And then Isaiah Hartenstein was often the guy who closed um, Hartenstein's uh metrics were, were, were the best on the team during the time shout out to Knicks film school Jonathan Macri for pulling these stats uh the Knicks were plus 10.3 points per 100 possessions when Hardenstein was on the court they were minus 8.4 
when he was off. And that was why they would often close with him. I think his passing could potentially be, um, I, I don't want to say transformative for this offense because the offense is already really good. And if they use him with the starters, um, it's going to be muted a little bit just because he's not going to see the ball that much. I mean, we've, we just went through this with Quentin Grimes, right? And and the idea of them incorporating a center, getting substantial touches when Julius, RJ, and Brunson just have the usage rates that they do and soak up the number of possessions that they do, that is a long shot, which is why I think Tibbs will stick with what he did last year and start Jericho Sims, who is, is more of a uh, fast similar to Mitch in the sense that he doesn't need the basketball. He's going to protect the room on one end. He's going to crash the glass hard, and he is going to be out there as a lock threat. Maybe one with even better hands than Mitchell Robinson. He might even see a few more passes a game than Mitchell Robinson for that reason, despite the fact that he is not as big of a target. He is the better athlete and a higher jumper at this point in their respective careers. Um, Hartenstein, I, I think will get more run just because he'll play every second with the bench. And again, he could potentially close games. And I think you'll see him check into the game a little bit earlier than he normally would. If Mitch was out there in the rotation and Hartenstein, as we all know, can bring some of the same things as Mitchell Robinson, whether that is, is rim protection and solid rebounding on one end, he's a voracious offensive rebounder in his own right. Um, and, and he's a pretty solid rim protector. And, and like Mitch, he's, he's very, very solid verticality. He is, and, and, and has continued to be this year, uh, particularly foul prone. And, and that is going to be, I think a big emphasis for Tom Thibodeau that that is going to have to change. And he's going to have to play a little bit more conservative of a style, uh, this season. Uh, if, if the Knicks don't bring in another center in a trade, which I don't think they're going to do. Ultimately, it, it just doesn't really make sense because we can we can go through the schedule. It, it just kind of feels like on paper they're going to be able to hold on just enough that when Mitch comes back, and they might not be competing for a three or four seed like we hoped, but they'll be well within the playoff race, right? I mean, we can we can start it off today against Toronto. The next month, as as we highlighted, even even going to that Milwaukee game is going to be pretty tough, right? Toronto and Utah games now that become maybe not must wins, but I would say it's a must. You have to go one and one in that stretch. You would really do them a lot to go two and zero in that stretch. You're going to play the Suns with Bradley Beal and presumably Kevin Durant back. That's going to be a really tough game. Then you go to the Clippers, then you go to the Lakers. You, you hope to get a split there. You, you hope to beat the Nets um, in, in a quote unquote road game. Uh, you get two against Milwaukee. If you could split those somehow, that would be amazing. A again, no guarantee on that. Those are going to be viciously tough games. Um, then you get in Oklahoma City. You get in Orlando, you get in Indiana. Um, hopefully you go two and one, maybe you go one and two. Then you play Minnesota, so maybe two and two for that four-game stretch. And, and then things get a little bit easier at the start of January, right? Chicago, Philadelphia, Washington, Portland, Dallas, Memphis, Orlando, Houston, Washington, Toronto, Brooklyn. Uh, that's a stretch where the Knicks should go about seven and three, even without Mitchell Robinson. Um, I can keep going with this, but the point is, they should be able to play close to 500 basketball and hopefully a little bit over 500 basketball with Mitch out. I think if you get him back late February, early March, that'll be enough to still be hovering around a seven or eight seed. You close out the season strong from there and the schedule in, in March and April for the most part is, is pretty doable, right? I mean, you, you look at particular, like let, let's just say he comes back March 5th, Atlanta, Orlando, two against Philadelphia, Portland, Sacramento, Golden State, Denver, Brooklyn, Detroit, Toronto, San Antonio, Oklahoma City, Miami, Sacramento, Chicago, Milwaukee, Chicago, Boston, Brooklyn, Chicago, like that. There, there was an avenue there to finish the season, something like, I don't know, 15 and six, 15 and seven with everyone in rhythm, the depth clicking, hopefully 
um, Quentin Grimes operating at at his best. Um, there's a there's a world where where you're good, and I, I think because of that, the Knicks ultimately are not going to make a trade. And, and I just don't see the reason to give up a, a, a first round pick to get a center because we can. I mean, we can we can go through the names on a future episode, but there isn't a guy that's available that's useful in a long-term sense because Isaiah Hardenstein is cemented as this team's backup center. I would be pretty surprised at this point, barring an effort to go get a Joel Embiid this summer. Um, if the Knicks don't keep him past the season and then Mitch is, is a cost-effective option that gives you again, all defense level play on that end of the floor and is a generational offensive rebounder. And is just 25 years old. And I think the Knicks are, are going to ride out the length of the contract again, barring the availability of a star. So why would you go all in for someone who like the best case scenario is probably just going to help you stay two or three seeds up in a season where you don't have realistic championship ex- aspirations. And if you want to argue that the Knicks do have championship aspirations this year or have conference finals aspirations, then this ultimately shouldn't change that um, because you're, you're going to have to beat a team like a Milwaukee eventually, right? Like that's going to be your second round series. So does it make that much of a difference if you're playing them in the first or second round? Obviously the Knicks would rather lose in the second than the first. Uh, but my grander point there would be it ultimately does not matter all that much. Um, we're going to come back, uh, talk about some odds and ends to wrap this one up. Um, but before we do that, I wanted to tell you guys about our good friends over at FanDuel Sportsbook. All right, let's get into it with FanDuel. As the weather gets colder, I'm in Phoenix. But for you guys, the NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel. Right now, new customers get 150 bucks in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's 150 bucks if your team wins. I have to say it like that because it's a crazy offer. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. And there's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over, unders, and more. I've been hammering um, those New Orleans Pelicans championship odds. That's that's something I'm going to tell everyone to get in on. Again, I don't think they win, but there is a chance. Um, you can also, if you wanted, the New York Knicks are four-point favorite tonight um, in, in, the, in the lawsuit rivalry against the Toronto Raptors. Um, I would actually put some money down on the Raptors. I just do not like the way the Knicks are playing right now, and Mitchell Robinson going out could be a little bit of a shell shock to them um, tonight, and I, I think um, Toronto might have the physicality advantage with no Mitch. But a big game from Hartenstein, that could all change. So that is certainly an interesting one. Anywho, um, visit FanDuel.com slash Lockdown and kick off both the NFL and NBA season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, one final time. We are back on Locked on Knicks. And I want to wrap up with some odds and ends on Mitchell Robinson being out. So we, we already mentioned Sims is probably starting. I don't really see a world where they bring in a a starting caliber center. Could they go for a bargain bin guy like a Taj Gibson just to fill some minutes? And also if if Hartenstein or Sims has to miss a game here or there, that would, that would make a lot of sense. Uh, Again, shout out to Jonathan Macri. He he threw that name out and I, I think that would, that would be pretty logical. Um, You could also see them bring up another big, like an Isaiah Roby. I don't think we're going to see them play small again. That that has always been sort of a last case scenario for Tom Thibodeau. And and last year we were screaming for it when Mitch went out because we still had Obi Toppin. And as we we've, we've seen now in Indiana, um, at least offensively, he can be a hyper effective stretch five. Um, defensively, there would have been some issues there, but now the Knicks no longer have him. If they wouldn't do it with Obi, why would they do it without Obi when you have to um, continue to overtax Julius Randle and um, 
you'd be small at just about every position, right? Because you're, you're all of a sudden you don't have rim protection and you're small at center with Julius playing center. You're very small at power forward with Josh Hart playing there. You're fine at the three with RJ Barrett and you're small at the backcourt with Jalen Brunson and Dante DiVincenzo. So I, I think we will only see that in a scenario where the Knicks are down by a whole lot of points because that is the only time we have seen it in the past. Um, that gets me to my next point. A Julius Randle injury already could have been disastrous for the Knicks. Uh, now it will be extra duper super disastrous for the New York Knicks because you you, um, you lose the ability again to play a a defensive style of ball to some extent, right? You're, you're, you're not going to be winning games, or at least I don't think you're going to be winning games um, in the 80s or 90s, unless um, maybe if Julius got hurt, they would go to a Sims-Hartenstein starting duo, which uh, we discussed the pros and cons of that um over the summer um it kind of worked for stretches last year again they played some of the best defense i have ever seen in the last five years in the nba and some of the worst offense i've seen in the last five or so years in the nba so maybe they'd pivot to that maybe they'd make it work um but i think at this point it would be just a complete disaster if anything happens to julius Randle. i was going to remark yesterday um as solid as the knicks have been this year part of my concern in totally believing in it is that they were that solid with nearly perfect health right the only injury of of, of real note was the fact that rj barrett missed about four or five games um, with that migraine slash uh, probably actually a knee, inj knee injury. Um, so any more injuries now, and they are in a whole lot of trouble. Um, final thing to wrap this up. I wonder if uh, th this throws a wrench in the whole bring Quentin Grimes off the bench thing without Mitchell Robinson out there. There is more of a need to have elite or, or as close as you can get to elite perimeter defense. And even if you don't want to put Quentin Grimes that in, in, in that tier, just because he lacks some versatility because he's not that tall. Um, he is probably in the next tier of guys as a really good defender. And he's certainly far and away the Knicks best option um, along with Josh Hart as a perimeter defender. So I'm wondering if one of those guys starts to play more minutes. I would hope that it is not Hart because we've seen the starting lineup is a disaster offensively with Josh Hart out there, unless Emmanuel quickly is also inserted as a two guard and he is replacing RJ Barrett instead of starting at the two. Again, that would not make a lot of sense to me. But I, I could see them uh, opting to start Grimes just to shore things up on the perimeter and, and take a little bit off the shoulders of a Hartenstein or a Sims because those guys simply cannot handle the same onslaught at the rim that we've seen Mitchell Robinson uh, handle definitely this year and particularly can't handle in Hartenstein's case without getting in severe foul trouble, which would be a really big issue for the Knicks at this point. And then offensively, um, you wonder if they if they do start Hartenstein, whether Grimes will benefit just getting to play um, off of his creativity at that spot. And, and Grimes is a really solid backdoor cutter and Hartenstein's love of making those passes. I think for now, both of them will stay on the second unit. We'll see more of those uh, connections on the second unit and, and and maybe they'll be closing games a little bit more often. That will be Tibbs's first step here. And, and if, if Sims is, is not as good as we hope, um, or if DiVincenzo um, does not continue to just be a scalding three-point shooter, maybe you see Grimes reinserted into the starting lineup and he starts and gets to close games and gets to play a lot of time in the second unit with Hartenstein. Um, I think that is something to watch. Anyways, that is it for this edition of the Lockdown Knicks podcast. We'll be back uh, later tonight with a full episode, a recap of that game against the Toronto Raptors. And I expect on Tuesday where we have a special guest on, we will probably be talking more about this injury, its implications. It's a bummer. Uh, love Mitch. Love everything he's been doing this year. I'm going to miss seeing him on the court. And it's a real shame that he got struck by the injury bug again after a relatively healthy last two seasons um, and, and in the midst of what I would say was clear-cut the best season of his career. But on that sad note, um, we'll talk to you soon on Locked on Knicks.